would I vote to reserve 20% of the seats for students from under-resourced middle schools to have a lower test score in order to be in the school? No. When I think about under-resourced, I think more about we have one AP class. That is a lack of opportunity right. right there. Hey guys, this is Alec, the journalist half of the podcast. This is going to be a special episode dedicated to the New York City public school controversy, currently burning its way through public discourse and across newspapers like the New York Times. Many people have strong opinions on this subject right now, but Delaney is a teacher at an under-resourced school in the heart of New York City. Welcome to uh, the Overton Window. I'm Delaney from the New York City education world. I teach middle school. And I'm Alec. I make videos for rich people at the moment. We're about to go through Alec's Twitter and talk about his tweet. Fantastic. What do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about this article. You tweeted a link to an article. And the article is from the New York Times Opinion, and mm-hmm. the headline says, Unfortunately, some Asian American parents in New York are protesting this proposal, arguing that it is anti-Asian because it would decrease the number of Asian children in elite schools. They are on the wrong side of this educational fight. And before I read what you tweeted, I want to shed some light on what this op-ed is about. Yeah, please do. You are a school teacher in the New York public school system. This is right up your alley. You are the expert in this. Uh, So I think that, so Mayor de Blasio laid out a new plan for New York City schools, and with his plan, he's hoping to change the way that students are admitted into specialized high schools. So New York City is unique in the sense that they have eight different specialized high schools, which are like the top elite high schools in New York City, and they are very rigorous. They're just known for being the best, right? Okay. And everyone wants to go there. You have to take a specialized high school test in order to be admitted. Okay, and does everybody in New York City take this test? No. And- so I okay. actually, I teach eighth grade. I've worked right. with eighth graders for the past three years. This year, I was an advisory an advisor. I've been with my advisory group for three years, but this year they're in eighth grade. So I had to walk them through the high school admissions. So even if you don't want to go to a specialized high school, you have to apply for high school here in New York City. So even if you don't want to go in one of these like elite eight schools, you still have to apply to a high school. A high school. You're not just going to wind up being thrown in high school. You got to like apply to high schools. You have to apply. Yeah. So it's almost like a college thing. Well, for the you rest don't, of the country. No, it's it's more like a simple like paper application where okay. you rank the schools that you want to go okay. to. I don't know this, so this is interesting to me. And there's no like resumes, essays, or anything okay. involved. And with the specialized high schools, it's purely based on the test. Okay, so but with out outside of those top eight, yeah. when you when a student in eighth grade is getting ready mm-hmm. and they're ranking the schools they want to go to, how does how do they get linked up with the schools? The schools then rank the students as well, looking at like their GPA. So that's a question I'm not certain on just because my middle school is also a high school so students will apply to high schools but majority of time they're putting down ams the one they're already at the one that they're already at and any school that any student that went there for middle school gets automatic admission to the high school okay it's like that classic like you grew up in the hometown you can go to the hometown university pretty easily anyway so i mean and that's the vision for the school is to be able to have that consistent community from 6th through 12th grade and i think it's a healthy environment and creates consistency for the students. That's why it's like you get automatic commission. However, say you don't want to go to that school, Mm -hmm. uh, go to AMS, maybe you want a fresh start or you want to, there's schools in this city that specialize in things like art, music, dance, engineering, and say you want a chance at 
that. Okay. Eighth graders get this massive book that is very similar to, I don't know if you remember the yellow pages okay. or yeah. phone books. Yeah. It looks just like that and yeah. they can look through all of them. It is organized by borough. Okay. Um, and it has all the information in there, like graduation rates, college acceptance rates, says things like the sports team. It's like a little bio for every school. So it's like an encyclopedia of New York City schools yes. that students can look Certainly. at when they want to think about what school they want to go to high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very interesting. I didn't know this. And it's very helpful because like, for example, this year I had one parent who really wanted their son to go to a school in Manhattan close to where she works. And we ended up looking in this encyclopedia and their um, like college acceptance rate was like 74% or maybe that was even their graduation rate. Okay. And then we compared it to AMS, the school that I teach at that right. has like a 94% okay. graduation rate. And okay. she was like, oh wait, never mind." Like she didn't know those, that's, that's what it was like. Right. She just was thinking because of proximity. So it was like very helpful for her to right. have so, that understanding. So families and students can really do some like comparison shopping about yes. like what schools they want to go to. Okay. Yeah. So they rank them mm-hmm. and majority of, su- of my students are putting down AMS first and then mm-hmm. a few other ones. And if they put AMS first down, they get automatically accepted. Now the rest of them, mm-hmm. it is like a matching sort of thing. Okay. If you, and I don't, if you don't get your first one, you get your second one. If you get your second okay. one, you get your third one, et cetera, okay. et cetera. And when it comes to the specialized high schools. Yes. Yeah, so these eight and that the New York Times is talking about. Yeah. Tell me about these. Right. They're, I don't know all of them. The most so well-known the, one is Bronx Science. Would this be like the Ivy Leagues? The top eight like Ivy League high schools in New York City? Yeah. But some of them, like LaGuardia is an arts high school, so you have to also audition. So okay. you're either singing or dancing or acting, uh, and they will provide you instruction in those areas. Okay. Bronx Science, which is the one that the majority of any student I know that is interested mm-hmm. in a specialized high school, that's the one that they're interested in. So I don't know much about the other ones. Right. And what you have to do is when you take the specialized high school test, you have to say which, it's kind of like there's tiers. Okay. And the elite eight even are ranked on their own. And okay. they're in different tiers. Okay, so it's like Harvard and Yale, and then there's like, you know, Brown and Penn U or something. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I don't think the majority of people listening are going to know. But yes, these specialized high schools are also ranked in specific tiers, and you have to take this test. Okay. And you have to get a score within a certain range to mm-hmm. be able to even go to that school. Okay. And everybody at eighth grade takes this test? No. Only the people that want to try to go to one of these schools exactly. takes this test. Exactly. It's like an ACT. So I only had, I only know of about five students mm-hmm. at, at my school who sat for the specialized high school test and none of them were accepted to specialized high school. So they sat, they took the test and they were not accepted to that specialized high school. What are the qualifications to get into these? So let's say you take purely the test. Purely the score. It's, it's purely just the score. the score. It's like taking, it's like applying to a college where the only thing that counts is the ACT. And you just like want to do really well in the ACT. So the GPA, like how the, the student was in seventh and eighth grade, doesn't matter so much. With the tests, it doesn't matter how well they did in like their GPA in seventh and eighth grade to get into these elite high schools. It matters solely on the test. So to be honest with you, my understanding is that it matters solely on the test, but I wouldn't know if a student made the cutoff and say there was too many people who made that cutoff, what did they look at next? Because I've never known a student to make... So you, you actually don't know any students that have made it into these schools? No. So it's super elite. I suppose. Just in, in terms of like there's not a lot of spots and I was, a lot of people applying. I was surprised this year yeah. at some students who didn't make it in. One of my coworkers, who mm-hmm. I'm very close with, 
went to school in the Bronx and then did go to a specialized high school. So I know her. Right, okay. <laughs> Granted, things have changed in the years since she was applying for high school, I'm certain. But she did sit for this specialized high school test and get accepted. Right. So for people not in, in New York City that mm-hmm. don't know about like the weird New York like, City school system, mm-hmm. there is a group of like eight elite schools. Right. And that anybody who wants to go to these eight elite schools in New York City can take a test. Right. They have to do X well on the test and they can possibly get accepted, but then may or may not depend on like other criteria they might look at if there's too many people pass the test and there's not enough spots or what have but- you. I don't know if it ever even comes to that. Right. It's bit, so from your extent, it's just a test. I think, and that's what this article made it seem like. It's just the test, and that's my understanding that it's just the test. Right. Okay. So let's get into the article now, because this New York Times op-ed is by a professor Pratt, and she's arguing that she's talking about Mil- Mayor De Blasio's new plan. He wants to diversify these specialized high schools, mm-hmm. and his plan is that twenty percent of the seats at these specialized high schools are going to be reserved for students from under-resourced middle schools who score just below okay. the cutoff okay. score mm-hmm. for a standardized test, which is now the sole criterion for entry. Okay. And this article, though, is saying that, I'm just going to quote the yeah. article. Yeah, it yeah, says, yeah. unfortunately, some Asian American parents in New York are protesting this proposal, arguing that it is anti-Asian because it would decrease the number of Asian, child- Asian children in elite schools. They're on the wrong side of this. And she's arguing that they are on the wrong side of this educational fight, mm-hmm. that the mayor's plan isn't anti-Asian, it's anti-racist. It would give working-class parents, including Asian-Americans, who can't afford and shouldn't have to find ways to afford expensive test prep programs a fair chance that their child would be admitted into what's known as a specialized high school. Now, I think there are valid arguments on both sides. Okay. This is a good plan. Oh, this is an awful plan. Okay. And I am prone to side on that. This is not a great idea. Okay. I think that this is a band-aid to a bigger problem. Okay, let's talk about that. Well, what's the bigger problem? The bigger problem is the quality of education in these under-resourced communities. Okay. Um, I teach at an under-resourced school. Right. Uh, We do not have the same resources and opportunities as a not- under resourced So some nice school, school in Manhattan. Right. You're right. In Upper East Side or something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people talk about achievement gap, achievement gap, achievement gap. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I mean, yes, there's an achievement gap, but that is not because... Wait, can you just break down what achievement gap is? Achievement gap is that statistically speaking, white kids perform better mm-hmm. on standardized tests. Okay. Than children of color. Okay. And they are looking at fourth grade math and reading tests and eighth grade math and reading tests. And there's an a gap in achievement. Right. That just for whatever reason, white students seem to score better on the standardized tests that are issued than students of color. Yes. And there's so many factors. Right. Okay. That come into play there. Those numbers don't tell the whole story. Right. You can't argue with numbers, yes, but they do not tell the whole story. Right, because it's just an observation. So all this, the, the achievement gap is like, okay, there's something going on here, but now let's look at why, and there seems to be a host of reasons. And that's why I talk about it as the resource gap. Okay. Because my students do not have the same opportunities and resources that I had when I went to middle school. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, they're going to most likely score lower on the test. Right. There's a difference between equality and equity, mm-hmm. and people talk a lot about educational equality right 
And it's more so for me at this point in time, we need to be focusing on educational equity. Okay. What does that mean? It means uh, I like to think about this analogy of ladders. Okay. Okay. Say you have someone who's really tall, Mm -hmm. someone who's middle height, someone who's pretty short. Okay. But there's a fence and they all want to get over and look over the fence to see the baseball game. Right. If you all give them a ladder that's the same height, Mm -hmm. the tallest person is still going to be just as tall as the shortest person. That's equality. They all got the same amount of something. Right. But that tallest person is still going to be higher than the lowest person. Right. That's equality. Equity is giving the people that need the more resources those resources so they can be equal. So you would give the shorter person a taller ladder. Then you would give the tall person. Then you would give the tall person so that they can be equal. Okay. Or equal heights. That's equity. Okay. It's redistributing resources. Right. So that everyone has equal opportunities. Okay. Rather than giving everybody the exact same thing. Okay. Does that make sense? Right. No, 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 it does. So, l- let me back here now to this test that's mm-hmm. become very controversial. Right. What, what is the argument for it and what's the argument against it? Like, why, why would people be against changing? So, one of my close friends that I work with who is... A Latino woman, mm-hmm. and she's actually the one that went to a specialized high school. Okay, she is. So she's a, just to, just to break it down. She is a, a an unprivileged. She was a quote unquote underprivileged kid in middle school. She took the test and she got into one of these right. elite schools. And now she her thoughts on it are. And now she's teaching at an under resourced school. Wow. Okay. And her thoughts. Mm-hmm. I don't think she would mind if I read from yeah, Twitter. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. from her Facebook. So I'm actually just going to read what oh, yeah, she yeah. said Let's to give she her. Said. She's like the perfect candidate for her. Yeah. To quote, Mm -hmm. I am a Hispanic female who went to Bronx Science and Bronx Science is a specialized high school. And this isn't a good idea. It reinforces the idea that blacks and Latinos aren't smart enough and need this security. What they need to do is go into Title I schools, Bronx schools, public schools and promote these schools because 99% of kids like my students don't know what the specialized high schools are until their application. By then it's too late. Side note, I agree with that. There are free programs to train from sixth grade, rupturing structures that have been in place for years without doing research and giving kids a handout in a school that when you are a minority already makes you innately feel like you're an outsider and maybe don't belong only would enforce that. Right. Because then they may be thinking like, oh, I'm only here because they lowered the test for me. Exactly. And kids are malicious and immature and they will say that to those kids. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Which will just further this the divide right and the inferiority complex that absorbed by them though and she ended it by saying tell them about it and train them to succeed for free so, so from my understanding what she's saying is like don't lower the test standards for 20 percent. put more money and resources in the underprivileged schools right. yes so that like you can just make them get higher test scores exactly like, lowering the test scores just makes it seem weird and makes people question well did i deserve to get in here and the other students are gonna be like oh well you just got in right you know, yeah don't do that that's gonna mess with them psychologically put your money and time into bringing up those underprivileged schools so they can get those test scores they need and it's not necessarily reserving seats for diverse students, it's more so about them being under-resourced. Yeah, what is, when they say like reserving seats for diverse students, what does that mean? Well, they're basically saying that, oh, diverse students all come from under-resourced school. Right. They're already acknowledging that those schools are what are serving the students of color. 
It's the ones that are under-resourced. Okay. So let's fix those under-resourced schools, not make this Band-Aid policy. In some degree, maybe it's a starting point Mm -hmm. to boost, but no, the problem is the schools themselves, not this test. Right. Um, The schools are not preparing, the schools are not adequately preparing the students for the test. Right. And I can think about my own school, and just as my friend Sarah said, a lot of these kids don't know about the specialized high schools until they're in eighth grade. So that's already two years of them not preparing. Whereas, let's say a student in like the Upper West Side has known about it since sixth grade and has been prepping for it. Probably known about it since third, fourth, right. fifth. The because parents their are parents on are it. thinking the com- about yeah, it. Yeah, their neighborhoods on it, their and teachers on it. They're putting them in extracurricular activities because those are available. That is a resource that they have right. to prepare them. Right. Are those students necessarily smarter than my students? No. no. They just have access to these resources. They know about it. Right, it's the difference between like being told you have to take a test called the ACT to get into college one day and you're going to take it tomorrow mm-hmm. versus like growing up with parents who say like this is the SAT, there's the ACT, we're going to get you a test prep book, we're going to like, right. we're going to do, we're going to get a tutor, we want you to do well in this, it's important to do well in this. It's that mm-hmm. kind of distinction. Mm-hmm. And I can think of the students that took it at my school who are certainly capable of being in a specialized high school and I wish that they had that opportunity, but they weren't preparing until like the week or so before right and it was like miss can i come up at lunch with you and we go through these problems and by then it's like it's too late yeah we can't cram for this there's students who've been preparing for years on end and yeah there's some nonprofits that exist to serve them there's not enough of them they're not i don't know what the right word is they're just not succeeding at their at their goal at the moment well they're just not they're probably understaffed and have so many people want to be a part of it too. Right. So they're not really effectively being able to reach the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, pour those resources into the actual schools themselves. So uh, what do you think of this this uh, professor at Pratt's argument that like no, we like the lowering of the test score for twenty percent is good, and the people that are arguing against lowering the test are on the wrong side of education. I think that she's sort of focusing more on these parents who are saying that it's anti-Asian, mm-hmm. that those ones who are thinking that way mm-hmm. are on the wrong side. Uh, the closing of the article, I kind of agreed with in some ways. Just to quote it, it yeah. says, the specialized high school's admission test is an instrument for the uneven distribution of a public resource. Right. It perpetuates and legitimizes the already uneven distribution of other public resources and services. Getting rid of it means that more kids will have a bit more access to the best of what this city has to offer. I don't really know what she meant about getting rid of yeah, it. Now it sounds like she wants to abolish the test altogether. I'm thinking she's thinking about the cutoffs, but okay, I digress. Well, yeah, we'll overlook her ambiguity there. Her final sentence, which I agree with, is opposing the mayor's plan isn't the right fight. The right fight is for the improvement of all of our public schools. However, she kind of contradicts herself right, because this, the this mayor's plan is not for the improvement of all, all public schools. schools. Yeah, it it's like, just like, like I said, a band-aid for this bigger problem. <laughs> right. It doesn't seem like he wants to improve the schools. He just wants to like, well, we'll just lower the test. Take about that. I don't actually deal with the problem and educate them properly. Mm-hmm. So, so you like, if you were going to vote on the proposal, would you vote to lower the test score or no? Would I vote to reserve 20% of the yeah. student, the seats for students from under-resourced middle schools to have a lower test score in order to be in the school? No. 
Because you don't think it's the utility of doing that isn't that great. I think it is a starting point, but like I said, it's not the solution. It's contradicting for me though, in a way, because mm-hmm. now I'm thinking about, well, what do I do when I get my new group of sixth grade advisees? Right. I need to be preparing them more and be more mindful of it. Right. Um, I don't think schools, especially middle schools, are adequately educating their teachers. Like I didn't know about this whole process until I was actually walking through oh, it with so my it's, students it's like a as an eighth problem. grader. Yeah. The, the teachers half the time aren't even aware of it or even of it. know how to prep the students for mm-hmm. it. Especially as a teacher who didn't go to New York City public schools. Mm-hmm. But now I'm equipped to come alongside my new sixth graders right, and prepare them for something like this. I also think it would benefit if in some way all students were expected to take the specialized high school just to have the experience of taking a standardized test. So you would say, don't make it optional. Make everybody just drag them all into the thing and make them all take the test. Well, not necessarily. I think there's value to doing that, but I guess I get why they don't do that because not everyone wants to go to a specialized high school. Right, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, your argument is by like forcing everybody to take the test, at least gets in their mind that they're going to be taking the test, so they might as well study for it and it gets them thinking about it and makes everybody aware of it. I guess I'm not as educated on like the utility and the test and the way that the schools work to like say if that would be valuable or okay. not. Might make the admissions even more challenging and they might get flooded with people. It's like they would have to add something on, I think. After. Mm. If you made everyone sit for that test and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you have the score to get into this test, it might flood all of those schools. Right. Because right. those aren't the everybody. only. Right. There's hundreds of schools and there's only eight of these. Right. So the specialized high school serves its purpose. Right. Of like whittling down to the ones that actually really want to go. Right. And then. Can well, get in. Yeah. So I don't know if there's like necessarily utility in making everyone take the test. I was just thinking of my own mindset of like, maybe I can get all my kids to sit for the test, whether or not they really want to go to a specialized high school, just so they're exposed to that sort of test and that environment and what that's like. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's smart. So what would you say about the argument that like apparently allegedly Asian mothers are making about, well, if the test is being lowered for a certain demographics... That's going to eliminate spots that my child may have been able to get in because like, let's say my child passed it, but then didn't get in because they had to reserve X amount for other people. Do you have any sympathy for that argument? No. Okay. How come? Because I can, I can see like a mother of parents being like, well, we, you know, we, we prepared our kid. She was smart. They took the test. They passed and they got in and they should have got in. And you're telling me like they're not getting in because maybe there just wasn't room for them because we had to make room for people that couldn't score as high on the test. This article actually brings up this point that okay. I think can articulate it better than I okay. can. It yeah. says that, quote, sadly, rather than fighting a system that undermines the principle that everyone has an equal right to public resources while enriching the test prep industry. Too many Asians have chosen to preserve the status quo by buying into racism against blacks and the white supremacist system built on it. That's quite a strong statement. I think so, I agree. Okay, can you unpack that? Or like why you agree with that? Or like what you see in that to be true from your experience on the ground as a teacher? I think education in our school system is one of the most concrete examples of systematic racism. Okay. Because where a student lives and the, the just like their zip code is mm-hmm. going to affect where they go to school. Okay. And which affects the trajectory of their entire life. That is completely right. out of a student's control. Right. It's like a lottery of life. So you, you just happen to be born to these parents who are then you're just born in this neighborhood. 
And if you're born in a low-income neighborhood, that means there's not going to be a lot of tax dollars going into that neighborhood school, and therefore the school's not going to be able to afford the resources to adequately educate the child as they would in a higher-income neighborhood. Right. So therefore... The status quo is that uneven distribution of resources and education and schooling. So it's saying, like, the fact that Asians are protesting this... Mm-hmm. They're choosing to side with the status quo, which so, is like it's saying buying into racism against black and the white supremacist system built on it. Right. So that's the system that it's talking about. But to me, though, it doesn't actually seem to be race. It seems to be more like class systems. Which is inextricably tied with race. Well, I just sometimes I, I agree. It's very hard in America particularly to separate class systems and race systems because we have such a terrible history of racism and slavery in the United States, which can kind of makes it sin we will always have and always have to live with here and deal with. But from an Asian family's perspective, I can see them being like, well, I worked hard. We moved to this neighborhood because we want to live in a nice neighborhood. We pay our tax dollars. But Why is it be, my problem that... They're going to be on the same footing as the other people in that neighborhood. Right. The other white people. Right. So this policy isn't anti-Asian at all. If anything, you could say it's anti-not black or not children of color. Because those... Asians that are in the good neighborhoods, not the under-resourced, are the same people that are the white people. And there's probably some African-Americans right. in that community. Like, it's a, still, there's It's a class just, system. That's what I'm right. It's like the, the wealthy versus the poor. Right. So, just so I'm saying that these Asian parents mm-hmm. are playing in to Right. Those, they're they're those, using their race as a, yeah, as a card when it's really not, it really has anything to do with race or it has to do with poverty versus wealth. Which, but it's so easy to pull that card nowadays. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I oh, I think people, I think people pull like race, gender, community card all the time. That's that's all they can see. They just have yeah. I just find this like this debate so interesting because I think it's a very like pragmatic debate that has like real world consequences and affects on people, and it's at a local level. But all the arguments under underpinning it are very like big philosophical arguments about like redistribution of wealth and like income equal opportunity versus like equal outcome you know and like how do you distribute and and i agree the systems in place haven't been anti-asian nearly as much as they've been anti african-american right but okay but but when you you define it as as anti anti african-american what does that like mean it's just like this system. Well, I guess I meant not not anti. I just mean that have kept African Americans from opportunities and resources. Right. Well, from my plebeian observation, is that it's like this perpetual vicious cycle where, like, if the neighborhood is poor and they happen to be like immigrants or African Americans and they can't get very good jobs, and so their their kids go to the local school, but because that school is being provided by tax dollars with people that don't make a lot of money, right. the school isn't very good. Right. So then they don't do well in the tests or they can't get into like the elite schools. And so therefore they then wind up with less paying jobs, let's say. And then, then they like move in the neighborhood, can't mm-hmm. fund the thing and it becomes a vicious cycle. Yeah. Whereas the people in the rich neighborhoods, right, mm-hmm. the parents that are wealthy, they have a nice school, they go to school, they get into the nice schools, they go out and make money. Right. And then they move into the nice neighborhood altogether. And then they continue, it becomes like how to escape it. Active. I also think though that not as many students are even aware of that like it's interesting when i start to talk to my kids about that like literally today we're working on a social justice statistics project i started talking with them and we 
looked at this video that compared a, for lack of a better term, white school mm-hmm. and a black school. Okay. And they were like, whoa, like when they saw like all the resources and things that this white school had. Okay. And like, yeah, this isn't fair. Yada, yada, yada. And they understood that it was because they didn't have the same resources and not the same money. Right. The school just didn't have the funding. Because mm-hmm. I know my kids, when we do this project, a lot of them get really just frustrated and sad and angry because mm. they're like, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, this is the truth, but what do I do to change this? Right. And sometimes they, they feel powerful. Powerless, which no is agency. The lack is not what I'm trying to achieve here. And I think that by the end of it, they will realize like, oh, I have a voice. I can do something. And they also acknowledge the power of social media and mm-hmm. things like that. But initially, they're just like, wait, what? So you're saying like the students weren't even aware of their own disparity. Right. And if you ask them, I ask them point blank. I'm like, how many people, how many white people do you act with, interact with on a regular basis? Right. And they think about it. And I'm like, me? Right. Your other white teacher? Right. I'm like, you live in this bubble. You don't know. Because when I tell them that there are people who who think these certain things and right. and would say like, oh, yeah, black students are dumber than white students. Right. Like people literally have said that to me Empirically before. false, just on the record. Yeah. Right. And they're like, wait, what? What are you talking about, miss? I'm like, you live in a, bu- like, how often do you leave the Bronx? Like, you don't. Wait, so they're who, stuck who, in this, who in told this you, world. Who did you hear like black people were dumber than, was that them saying that? Or no, 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 no. So I wrote. That blog post right. um, that got like shared a lot and a lot mm-hmm. of people read it and I had someone email me and oh. like literally was trying to argue with me that evolutionary. Yeah, but you get the real cretins of the internet anytime anything goes viral. Holy. They come out of the woodwork. But your segment, your students just don't just don't know. Right. And, ho- and the Bronx is home to them. It's comfort to them. Like, right. so they're also like, well, why do I want to leave? If my parents did this, like, I can do that too. Yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. So, they don't understand the wider effects of their actions. So in, in reality, like on both sides of the fence, it's the same like bubbles. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. live in their bubble, the, the wealthy live in their bubble and don't realize life outside it. And the like lower income people live in their bubble and go, well, I don't know. I'm just sticking there. I'm comfortable. Yes. Mm-hmm. However, the, again, for lack of a better term, white, mm-hmm. rich bubble mm-hmm. has the privilege and the power. Mm-hmm. To do something about it? No. Well, what I'm going to say, okay. they don't want to lose that privilege and that power. Even if they're aware... Right. They're not going to do anything to change it. Because just the, like general self-preservation, like... Right. We want our kids to do well. We do well. I don't, you know, it's not my problem. I mean, I would just say overall, the majority of people, exactly. They're like, whatever. I don't care. Right. Whereas there's some people like myself. Right. Who are like, no, I want to do something right. to change this because this is unsettling to me. Mm-hmm. But that's, I wouldn't say that's the most popular opinion. Whereas like my kids, so you have to they fight. don't have the power, mm-hmm. the same power and privilege that I do to change. Right. Things. But it sounds like you also have to fight apathy on both sides. You have to fight the apathy of the the white or the the, the upper class apathy to change it and you have to fight the the people in the Bronx apathy but I also teach 8th graders right but you interact with their parents yeah I do and I would say that overall their parents are generally apathetic right do they really realize the repercussions of their actions and understand no they don't right and I get it it's like a (laughs) dismantling systematic racism is a a task it's not it's not gonna be I'm not gonna be able to do it on my own So if you were just like the mayor of New York City mm-hmm. and having your experience and your background as being a teacher in the Bronx, is there something you would do like immediately in mind that would to try to solve something? Would you get rid of the test completely? Would you keep the test? Would you be like this? 
eight elite schools naturally like siphons people only that can like afford to study it so we're gonna get rid of elite schools or maybe we're gonna like vastly take some of the money from the upper west side and upper east side and pour it into the bronx like what would you oh and that would cause a huge uprising right but just like let's humor the i don't think i understand the intricacies of the new york city school system well Mm -hmm. enough to make like a this is what's possible okay type thing i think something that would be helpful some sort of like specialized high school program like where kids from all middle schools were aware just awareness raising awareness about that this is a thing that you have to do and then like at my school we should be having like an after school test prep time or something built in i don't know you asked me a question that i need to think more about gotcha i think that the ideal thing is redistributing wealth yes but then again like how do you ensure that that wealth is being used in ways that are going to serve students right that aren't just squandered right my school has ipads i've never once checked out the ipad car because i've not been taught how to make the ipad an effective tool in my classroom do you see what i mean yeah yeah it seemed like a great idea let's buy these ipads like yay technology but then you need to teach the teachers how to use them right rather than like okay i guess they could use the ipads to research things but that's not the best way to use that ipad there's certain apps out there and things that i'm sure are incredible it would be really cool to integrate into my classroom but i don't have the time and energy right now and no one's developing me professionally as to how i use this ipad so they just sort of sit there right so you're like wise enough to realize that like well just throwing money at the issue is not going to solve it either mm-hmm. like it needs to be tactically applied yes so overall overall just to like conclude mm-hmm. you think the professor the pratt university professor talking about this issue makes some good points certainly her oh. argument was a little contradicting in some places right. i would agree it was a little hard to follow a little bit like really a professor you would actually say like you disagree with her on the on the fundamental level of like know what she was trying to get at i'd say i disagree with the plan that de blasio has introduced okay i would disagree with saving 20 percent of the specialized high school incoming class for students from under-resourced middle schools mm-hmm. who make a score that is just below the cut right. like all of those words too are also not very specific right, like right, what does right. it mean to be just below the cutoff right and diverse and everything yeah, yeah and under like and we didn't really brought up under resource isn't always going to be diverse right because you just said like your school has ipads and somebody just hearing that would be like well that doesn't seem under resourced mm-hmm. but as you point out like you know you just throw some ipads at the school that doesn't actually change the like and that came from grant money mind you like right. we get a lot of money from grants but when i think about under resource i think more about we have one ap class <laughs> right that is a lack of opportunity right, right there and so like it would have been better the money and time would have been better spent forgetting the ipads and being like we need to develop more programs for ap things mm-hmm. or teaching them about this test that they should be prepping for they and having do. a real science lab right i have lots of thoughts obviously but, but it's not <laughs> but it sounds like from from your knowledge too you're not the only teacher that thinks this way in the sense of like eh, this de blasio proposal of lowering the test score is just trying to cover the symptoms mm-hmm. well and i know a people, much larger disease i know diverse people people of color who are on both sides of okay. this argument right. and right. think that oh actually this is a great idea right and i can see both sides i think the one major hesitation i have is like i said the vagueness that it's like i said a band-aid to a bigger problem right and those kids, like my friend pointed out, that they already feel out of place. So it might continue to perpetuate that because right. even if they get they got the right score, 
people are automatically going to assume, assume. Yeah, of course. And that's going to of course just uh, separate them further, and there'll be this them. one group that they might even start calling something like the twenty percenters. Right. For all you know, like you know, it's just kids are malicious. The classic, like the road, you know, the hell is paid with a good intention. Yeah, and something that sounds like on the surface. But that's not something that these kids chose for themselves either. Right. This is just adults right. legislating stuff mm-hmm. that they don't even fully understand. Exactly. He should be asking kids. Well, yeah, I would agree. Because I can tell you, kids are kids are super intuitive. They don't get as much credit as they deserve. Right. Okay. That's my thoughts. Super interesting. <laughs> I learned a lot. Hope, what, what hope you... we hope we just schooled you. <laughs> She sounded like a journalist trying to get these goofy <laughs> puns into the headline. I'm punny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. can I say? That was good. But You're I the perfect person, though, for this, like... Topic. Th- this topic on this platform. To comment on stuff journalists and, like, media is talking about. Yeah. And it's like, well, why don't we actually get a public school teacher in New York City that teaches what? at the under-resourced, you what? know, That's me. area and see what they think about it. Yeah. See what her coworkers think about it. Mm-hmm. Rather than some, you know, person pontificating about. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Cool. Sounds good. See you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.